Caroline Dowd Higgins. I'm a speaker and a career and executive coach, and today I welcome Lydie Klotz to the show. Lydie is going to talk about the gaping hole in our mental health, and that is constantly adding more things. Lydie, welcome. I am really excited to talk with you about your amazing book today. Thanks, Caroline. It's, it's great to be here to talk to you and, and your audience. So your book is called Subtract, which of course is a provocative term right off the back. Subtract, <laughs> the untapped science of less. So set the stage. How did this book originate and how did you come to study this topic? Mm-hmm. I'd always been interested in it. Uh, th- I, I just didn't know about the subtract framing, I guess. <laughs> so, um, but the, the real epiphany in that, that framing came actually playing Legos with my son, who was uh, three at the time. And um, what we were doing basically was building a bridge out of Legos. And the problem that we encountered was that the bridge wasn't level. And so I turned around behind me to grab a block to add to the shorter column. And by the time I had turned back around, my son had removed a block from the longer longer column and thereby made the level bridge and you know what what I saw in that moment was like oh this is the thing I'm interested in it's not necessarily like less as the end state but it's this the situation that you know comes up in legos it comes up when we're trying to deal with our calendars it comes up with we're thinking about the thoughts that are in our head um where we're trying to make something better right we're trying to take something from how it is to how we want it to be why do we instinctively go to adding um, and only later think about subtracting? Or sometimes, like if my son hadn't been in that situation, I never would have even considered subtracting as an option. And, you know, that's the the genesis. We, I've since done probably 10,000 hours of research on this with a couple, with three other great collaborators. And, you know, we found that what goes on in our brains is really similar to what happened to me there, which, you know, no matter the context, when we're trying to think about what we're we're trying to make something better, we jump right to adding and therefore overlook subtracting as an option. Yeah. Yeah. I was, I was actually uh, drawn to Adam Grant's endorsement of your book. He writes, you know, we're constantly adding tasks, commitments, and possessions to our lives while neglecting to subtract any. And that really gave me pause. But I want to segue because you mentioned all the research that you've done. So what did you find scientifically? Yeah, I mean, the our research, which made it onto the cover of Nature, which for a scientist is, I mean, that's the pinnacle of my academic career. <laughs> and, and it's all downhill from here. But um, is And the title of our paper was People Systematically Overlook Subtractive Changes. Uh, And so we found the the key things there are systematically and overlook. Um, I am am agnostic when it comes to adding and subtracting, but it is a problem when we systematically overlook one of the basic options for making change. And that's what we found in the research was that we would give people these um, whether it was Lego structures, we gave them not not the ones I was playing with with Ezra, but we gave a, my son Ezra, we gave a, a different version of Legos. We gave them um, travel itineraries with 12 different activities in Washington, D.C. in a single day and asked them to make it better. And they added, we gave them the most convincing, I think, was random grids on a computer screen where you had to make the the patterns match, basically. And there were you could do so by adding 
or by subtracting from those random grids and people overwhelmingly added. But then if we somehow showed them um, whether forcing them to, to see it for themselves by repeating the problem or by reminding them that, hey, you can add or subtract here. Um, if they somehow saw that it was, once they saw the subtractive option, they realized that it was better. And that's the overlooking part that's really key here because you know, even if people add 90% of the time, there's always this argument that, oh, well, you know, that's just better. That's what they wanted to do. And I agree, if somebody wants to do something, <laughs> that is, uh, it's not necessarily a problem that they add more than they subtract. But it is a problem if they're systematically overlooking these subtractive options. And that's what we found in our research. It actually is like a very similar thought process to what was happening with me playing Legos with my son. I just didn't think of the subtractive option. I jumped right to adding and I would have gone through with it and been none the wiser if it hadn't been for my three-year-old. Gotta love it that your three-year-old taught you such an incredible lesson. Well done. Oh yeah, it's going to his head. He's uh, he's <laughs> he's six now and he's like, yeah, I've, I've made a contribution to knowledge. And to be very clear though, he's not... He's not very good at uh, subtracting. He adds just as much as anybody else, um, but he just plays a lot of Legos. And that was the rare instance when he stumbled across subtraction. You know, it's interesting, though, mentioning your now six-year-old son. This is a cultural phenomenon, right? Global. That's not just an American phenomenon about how we are we are taught to, to add more, more, more. How much more can we do? So are you seeing a culture shift with this or do you aspire to impact a culture shift? <laughs> I mean, of course, I, I I would love for my book to impact a culture shift. I mean, I think that's like a lofty a lofty thing for a book to do. But I mean, that's also you know with a bunch of really smart people learning about it, um, like your listeners and you. I think that is kind of the direction I hope it goes. And and really, it's less about a shifting culture for the sake of shifting culture. It's more just showing people options that they're otherwise missing. And I, I really think that that is a, a valuable contribution that I, I'd love to get out there to as many people as possible. Um, because you're right, it is, uh, we did find that it was widespread. I mean, one of the, one of the things you might think is, oh, this is just an American thing, or this is just, uh, you know, I'm an, I'm an engineer by training. Oh, this is just something that happens to engineers. Um, but no, like all the populations that we studied this in, including German and Japanese samples, basically displayed the same same tendency. Interesting. So Lydie, do you find that some people are reticent or are really pushing back and, and find it challenging? Yeah. I mean, you mentioned the provocative title, Subtract, and, and I agree. And I think one of the pushbacks, the most common pushbacks is, but adding's good too. And I, I mean, that's <laughs> that's a straw man argument, right? I'm not making that argument. I'm just saying, hey, let's, let's think of this um, other option that we're otherwise overlooking. So, I mean, that's, that's one common area of pushback and it comes out of a, you know, I, I jokingly give that example, but I also fall prey to it. And I think, um, it's really easy to position these things, adding and subtracting as kind of opposing. And therefore, if one is true, then the other can't be true. And, um, that's fine for certain types of reasoning, but this is not a situation where they're actually opposites. They're, they're really complements in terms of their complementary ways to change things from how they are to how we want them to be. And I think, you know, that's one of the mindset shifts that would help us think of subtracting more is if we didn't 
you know, when we think of adding, all of a sudden think, oh, well, if we add, then we can't subtract. In fact, if we add, that should lead us to think, oh, well, we added, this made this thing better. And what, what about trying to subtract as, as another way to make it better? I think it's so beautifully put. I, thank you for saying that, right? Because it doesn't have to be either or. And mm-hmm. it's not that one is good and one is bad, right? It's, it's consider this an option. It's on a new menu that you never knew you had. Yeah, that's great. That's uh, Ad, that's not that's Adam Grant esque, right? A new menu that you never <laughs> knew you had. <laughs> there you go. Yeah. We'll call Adam after the show and let him let him see what he thinks about that, right? <laughs> <laughs> so, Lydie, you know that my audience is uh, predominantly women around the world. So, you have uh, interviewed so many women for the book, and you've got some great change making stories about women. Would you share one of your favorites? Yeah, I'll, um, I'll share one. And uh, so Anna Keichlein, I just think is somebody that everybody should know about. I mean, and you know, she's getting a little more publicity, but but Google her. So she's she was the um, first female architect in Pennsylvania. Um, she and so this was around the time of World War Two or World War One. I'm sorry. And she was uh, she served in World War One as a volunteer spy. And there's this great correspondence between her and the draft office. And she said uh, she basically said, I'd, I'd like something more dangerous, please. Um, <laughs> and I'm very capable of this. So she's just this pioneering woman who did all these amazing things. And that's not even what I wrote about her in the book for. She has this invention, which is basically um uh, revolutionized the building block the the that's like the basis of all of the uh houses and, and structures that are built you know throughout time and even today still um and before on a kike line building blocks were solid and kike lines revolution was to make them hollow so she created what she called the k block um and so it's the same as the standard ubiquitous building block except for it had holes in it. Um, and what that did was make it lighter, easier to work with, um, easier to fire, easier to manipulate in the field. And now, you know, if you go by a construction site, you'll see those blocks that look basically like square figure eights. And that's kind of the latest evolution in, in Kike Line's design. So she's one of my favorite people because obviously the, the design insight there is, you know, throughout time, building blocks have been completely solid. And she realized that one way to make them better was to take stuff away from them um, and and create that space in the blocks. Plus, she's just a a fascinating, um, amazing person. I, I love that uh, she was a volunteer spy. That That's just an interesting concept in and of itself. So I'm eager to do some more research. That is a great example. Lighty, we'll be right back after a quick break. Your working life is powered by your stories. We want to hear more from our listeners about your experiences in the workplace. Tell us what challenges you've overcome or tips you've learned along the way. And even better, if you don't have the answers, let us know what issues you want to know more about. We want this podcast to serve all of your working life needs. Send me an email at caroline at carolinedowdhiggins.com. So, Lighty, I've got uh, lots of people around the world listening, probably anticipating, okay, great, how do I do this? I'm overwhelmed. I'm burned out. I need to subtract. Where do I start? Or perhaps they have a very different experience, but they can benefit from subtracting. So how does one start? What's the first step? Uh, 
well, not to be too coy, but subtracting first is is a very good first step. Um, I think if if you're going to remember one thing as a, a tip for yourself is to subtract first when trying to make things better. I mean, remember what we found with the core thinking process was that, um, you know, we add and then move on. Well, if you can somehow manage to get yourself to subtract first, then you're not going to overlook subtraction. And I know that that seems obvious in hindsight, but it's, um, you know, I think putting cues in place to remind yourself to do this. So what I do, for example, and this is, you know, courtesy of um, Jim Collins's book, Good to Great, he has mentioned stop doing lists, right? So every week Mm -hmm. when I sit down and say, okay, here are the things I want to accomplish this week, I also make sure that I put down, okay, here are the things that I want to stop doing this week. And that's useful I mean, I think as a general practice, but here I'm using it as an illustration of this idea. In this moment, when you're trying to change things, you've got to have some reminder there that reminds you to subtract. Um, Now, another really practical example, I think, comes courtesy of a couple researchers. So Liz Dunn and Ashley Willens. Um, Dunn is a professor at uh, University of British Columbia. Willens is at um, Harvard Business School. And they basically studied spending money to save time. Uh, and what they found was that people who spent money to save time were happier um, in, in pretty convincing ways across the, the spectrum of wealth. I mean, they studied millionaires who did it, but they also studied people who were making far less than, uh, you know, were not millionaires who did it. And how does that tie into subtraction and overlooking subtraction? Well, when you spend money to save time, (laughs) basically what you're doing is spending money to subtract something, right? You're spending money to have somebody take something off of your plate for you. So that's a really hard thing to do. I mean, we saw that it's not our first instinct to do, even when it doesn't cost money. And even when it's a a Lego block, um, now imagine your schedule and you've got all these things you need to do and it's counterintuitive to say, oh, this this to-do, I am now going to give to somebody else and I'm going to spend money to do that. So I think, you know, remembering to subtract first with the help of cues, plus, um, you know, another specific one is spending money to save time. You know, as a career coach, I can't help but ask you, or let me frame this, let me set this up first. <laughs> I, I, I imagine, and perhaps this is me, I'm, I'm putting myself in this scenario, I, I'm really excited to start deleting and subtracting some things in my life uh, to give me space. However, I'm, I'm a little more cautious about the career side. There are things that I have control over and things that I don't. So the question is, how does one delete and or subtract in the workplace? Yeah, that's really hard. Um, And I think, uh, so one of the things I talk about in the book is, uh, and I think this is why understanding the science can be helpful here, is that, uh, that we have this desire to display competence, right? To show that we can make change, affect change in the world. And this, you know, goes all the way back to the biology of bowerbirds building nests just to show off to their mates. But we also display competence by successful accomplishment of tasks. And, you know, that's the workforce variety, right? Where I, I, I want to go to this faculty meeting because, you know, now my boss is going to see that I'm, I'm sitting there, even though, you know, most of the, the valuable things that I do do not involve sitting in a faculty meeting. And so, 
it's, I'm not saying it's easy, right? Because, um, these things, some of these things we don't have control over. I mean, I think it does show that if you're a manager, right, you need to give people other ways to display competence, um, other than just doing kind of busy work. But I also think that it's not impossible to display competence through subtracting, right? I mean, I'll make the tie into Marie Kondo here, right? You know, one of the things that's great about her method is that she gets people to clean up completely. And so I'm looking around my cluttered office here and it's got filled with kids stuff. And if I picked up one thing, my wife would not notice my competence as a, as a, husband. Um, and, but if I clean up the whole room or if I tidy up this whole room, like the Marie Kondo way, she would come in and say, wow, that's amazing. You've displayed your competence. And I know that's not a work example, but I think in work, we can remember that, Hey, sometimes these small subtractions may not show up, uh, as, as evidence of our competence, but if we keep subtracting, we can show evidence of our competence. So maybe um, it's it's a matter of, of subtracting more so that the subtractions are actually visible. I don't know if, um, yeah. can you think of an example it, there? Well, I'm throwing I'm, it back I'm, to you. Is yeah, a, thanks. No, I'm going to riff yeah. on that because okay. I really appreciate what you just set up. And, and for me, how I would synthesize that as a coach, if I was helping mm-hmm. a client you know, grasp, uh, grasp the concept. And of course I would encourage them to buy your book, but, but if I was uh, saying, okay, let's start, what can you subtract for me? It's what can you focus on? How do you, how might you prioritize things? So some things can fall away because they're not as important and you can focus in on things that are perhaps, um, have more weight and more value in what you do. So I don't know if that resonates with you, but that's how I might synthesize it too, that less can be more, just like you said, the the what not to do, the to don't list. Yeah. And also, yeah, the, that focus is exactly right. Um, and, and like painting this vision of the future of less, right? And so, yeah. you know, again, help them see the, what Kondo does is say, hey, here's your tidy living space. And then that becomes the goal and keeping a, you know, marginally useful t-shirt is an enemy to that goal and you get rid of it for this more essential goal. And I think, yeah, that's, you know, that's a way to think about it in the, in the workplace. You're, you're going to be able to show your boss greater competence in this specific area because you've stripped away some of these things that, um, were showing marginal competence, but not really kind of essential to, to the most important things about your job. Well, and I think of the leaders out there, what what I would want them to hear is do fewer things extraordinarily well than a little bit of everything in a mediocre fashion. Yeah. I was just talking to a, um, a pharmaceutical company this morning and, and what they were talking about. Uh, and again, I think the prioritization is different for everybody, but they you know, looked at the things that they were doing and then they just focused on the kind of 50 biggest contracts that they had and really literally let everything else slip away. And I, again, I don't think that's right for every situation. You know, sometimes it might be, Hey, let's just focus on our really small, um, connections, but yeah, uh, not trying to do everything and trying to, um, being able to prioritize is an example of subtracting. So Lady, let me ask, you've done a lot of research and I'm sure you've talked to a lot of people around the world. Do you have a, a favorite example that you came across when researching for the book? 
uh <laughs> this is kind of cheating it's after the book actually so it's not in okay. the book this is bonus content just for your listeners um, <laughs> one of the things i loved so you know this happens in our our rules um in our our red tape and both on a you know federal level but also at a institutional level right we just you keep getting more and more and more of these things you know for the same reason we get more and more and more in our cities is this tendency to add but um the Brit- I learned that uh, British Columbia actually um, dealt with this issue of kind of uh, too many regulations or like just regulation creep. They said when people, when uh, lawmakers brought a new reg- a new uh, new piece of legislation that they wanted to add, they would also have to bring two that were already on the books that they wanted to subtract. And so what's beautiful about it is it's this really nice cue. Um, remember we talked about you need to have the reminder there at this moment in time. And it it forced people to think of subtracting as another way to improve like the way their, um, their province is governed. And, uh, so, so that part of it's fascinating and, and it worked, it, it cut down like all the kind of bloated, um, red tape that they had to go through and got a lot of these kind of outdated rules off the book. And what was also really interesting is it, you know, supposedly it kind of shifted their mindset. So now there's not that rule, but people are thinking about, you know, legislation as this add and subtract proposition, right? There's two ways to have more effective governance. One is to add new rules and the other is to get rid of rules that are no longer serving us well. So I really liked that one because it, it, you know, it just lines up with so much of the science. It's very practical. And as best I can tell, it seems like it's been pretty successful. And you can think about how it, translates directly to organizations, right? We all have yeah. opportunities to, yeah, you know, make, make new, um, new red tape and to, to cut away red tape. That is a great example. And I'm, I'm grateful that you shared it. Letty, I learned a lot from you today and I am delighted that we had a chance to have this authentic conversation about how we can subtract things to solve problems and succeed. And I, I wish you continued success on the book. Let me share the title with our global audience. It's called Subtract, The Untapped Science of Less by Lydie Klotz. And Lydie, it is available on Amazon and major book retailers, but you and I were chatting before the show. It's also the audio book on Audible is available. And I've got a long car ride coming up and I'm eager to listen to it. So I, I thank you so much. Great. Thanks, Caroline. It was a pleasure to be here. And uh, thank you for connecting me with your audience. You take care. And if you like the show, subscribe on Spotify, iTunes, or SoundCloud. And even better, leave a review because this helps new listeners find us online. And let me know what career-minded issues you would like for me to feature on a future show. You can find me on Twitter at C. Dowd Higgins. And a special thanks to my podcast colleagues, Laura Deck, Executive Director of Publicity and Communications, and Claire McInerney, Executive Producer. Thank you for making this show awesome for our global audience. I'm Caroline Dowd-Higgins. Thanks for listening.